Welcome to episode 15 of the Canvas Casters podcast. And before we jump in with Khaled, we wanted to explain what exactly happened this week. We had to make a slight audible in programming. In our pre-interview conversation last episode, we mentioned that we were on our way to Salt Lake City here at the end of February, and we had a ton of things planned, a live podcast, some live video content on Periscope, all kinds of tweets and gifts taking you behind the scenes of Canvas headquarters. But due to some unfortunate, unforeseen circumstances, we were unable to make that happen. It's not that it won't happen. It will eventually happen, just not right now. So stay tuned to further episodes for all the details. You don't want to miss out on that incredible content. Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast episode is a good one. We promise Khaled has packed this thing full of resources and strategies to take your Canvas LMS implementation to the next level. Here it is, episode 15 of the Canvas Casters podcast. Khaled is head of e-learning and libraries at the Hall College Group with a main focus on blended learning and innovation using widening participation delivery methods that enhance the pedagogy of both staff and students. He's a passionate believer in ed tech and learner voice and is a proud Microsoft innovative educator expert. He holds a degree in computer science and a professional graduate certificate in education. As most of us do in these roles, he has a lot of hats to wear daily, including work working as a data analyst, a developer, a learner practitioner, a teacher, and learning technologist. Khaled has been using Canvas since 2017, and we are honored to finally have him on the show and to announce our dear Twitter friend, because we've never met IRL, Khaled Al-Ankar to the Canvas Casters podcast. Welcome, my friend. Hi, thanks for having me. Anytime we talk to somebody across the pond, as we say, it's always we always feel bad because we feel like we have such a flexible schedule and um, we didn't want to keep you guys into your sort of personal evening time. But we're glad to have you on. So in doing some research and so forth, you discussed what we were digging through. You discussed experiences with Canvas over the last couple of years. Uh, And one thing that Eddie and I thought was really, really interesting is the concept of establishing online standards uh, for you and your faculty and your students. Talk more about what that means for your faculty. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, the whole college obviously is a really big organization. It covers quite a wide span of um, the Yorkshire and the Humber. And for us, obviously, online standards is something which we wanted to have within our Canvas courses moving forward. Um, so again, in Hull, this is year two of the application uh, or the platform or the virtual learning environment. And what I've found is that in able to, to create a standard around the online learning opportunity because it's embedded within our curriculum pattern now. So most of our level one, level two, level three courses have got uh, 10% equivalent of online delivery as standard. So you might call them learning days out there in, in the States. Um, we just call it online learning and we have online standards which for me I had to come up with the online standards that we needed. Um, so we used a lot of the information that came out of Canvas for um, universal design for learning and how we um, add that to our models. Uh, we've had to look at principles of, of, of learning design and like methodologies like the SAMA methodology by uh, Dr. Ruben Pentadora. So we've had to do a bit of research and like focus groups and working groups to create our own online standards because there isn't really anything out there. Um, you could look and have a look at all the other ones, but there's not that much out there to go when it comes to online standards. You mentioned a couple of things that are, I think, really important. You mentioned SAMR. 
Um, and, and that's something that we're of course familiar with and discuss. Uh, I, I know I've done a, I've done a, session at a couple of conferences discussing, you know, keeping that in mind when we're designing uh, content. But you also mentioned uh, UDL, which I think is really, really great because when we're talking about designing things for online courses or, or blended learning, that's something I think that is honestly forgotten. Uh, I think a lot of times, at least in our experience here, and Eddie can probably attest to this as well, you know, we struggle with getting teachers to just um, really embrace taking what they want to teach and then making that something that can be digital and then can even be better than a classroom experience using uh, in this case, Canvas and a digital world, if you will. Uh, but the UDL aspect is really important. And that's what I think is the next level for uh, my teachers thinking about, OK, now that you can deliver the content, how can we better ensure that every kid is going to be able to capitalize and learn? So I love that you that you guys have considered that as well. Yeah, um, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, for me, it seems like obviously we've gone through, we've had, well, we're now in year three of Canvas. So um, the first year and the second year, it was a case of, okay, here's your course, here's your learners on your course, and here's all, all the features you could have. And now let's start to utilize the features. And then we had online, the online standards came to place in year two. So we knew that we needed to have so many discussions or quizzes or all these bits inside the course. And it was the, the, that that created the standard and the requirement that a good course would consist of maybe four to five quizzes every couple of weeks so to speak and stuff like that so we created standards around that um, because it just the best impact for learners is to get them doing stuff like this so right Kyla did you receive any pushback on that are you adding those kind of online content standards on top of their normal evaluation as educators and what kind of pushback did you see or, or did you see any I know that we talked that way here in traditional ed and our K through 12 environments uh, in Indiana about, you know, how far do we go with adding uh, some sort of technology standards baked into what the educators are already doing under evaluations? So, I mean, like, I have a pushback. Don't get me wrong. I remember being in classrooms and doing this kind of delivery with a set of teachers and they're outright saying to me, well, we've already got these things that we do in the classroom. And I'm like, yeah, well, you have to understand it's not about being inside the classroom anymore. These uh, these learners have got this potential to have their device in their pocket and be learning 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So if they need to, and some learners do, some learners don't, but making sure that they've got that, we maximize the opportunity of success. So it really links to our outcomes and how the outcomes are at the college. So uh, I, I don't know, I just see it as, yeah, we had pushback and I had people saying that I don't want to use modules, I just want to use pages and I'm just going to use pages and pages, that's it. So, so be it. Um, I don't really mind whichever way you want to use the virtual learning environment as long as we are making sure we're maximizing the opportunities for our learners. When we talk to relatively new Canvas users, we always love to hear about ways that you kind of initialize that onboarding process with your instructors and how that training happened. Uh, what are some ways that, that maybe you and some fellow members of uh, kind of the group that decided, hey, we're going Canvas, began that process of learning the actual tool? We had a digital um, sort of digital leaders here at the at the group already. And they were always, we was already on a previous platform, another virtual learning environment, which I won't say, but obviously I don't reckon it's as good. And what they found is that it was just using them as repository areas. So it was just a case of a bunch of files 
all stuck in one place and students were going to access them occasionally and there was no real um, teacher-led or formative formative uh, assessment methods within them at all so I think in doing that um, and introducing Canvas and then obviously showing them all the features that they've got inside Canvas so they can now uh, push out notifications directly and then pull grades back and everything else quite quickly it's been really really good another thing that you referenced uh, in talking to us earlier before the podcast was uh, the practice of badging and uh, you know if I'm telling my truth um, and Eddie and I have argued about this I've argued about this with folks uh, for the last few years but I would say that I'm a self-titled self-proclaimed despiser of badging Um, so Tell our listeners how you are using badging with Canvas and sell me on the idea. Let's all boo Marcus first before we go there. I mean, so the, the concept of badging within within learning, especially online learning, it just adds a layer of gamification to the model. Okay, uh, we started off with badging for our staff members. So what we did is um, we've got mandatory training, which we use within uh, the Canvas platform. So I've got a staff development portal, which is uh, like the guy, everyone knows it here as Staff Dev 101. And they go inside there and there's the mandatory training components that you do when you join the organization. As well as that, there's the, 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 or the components that managers would do and there's the optional ones that people staff can take on as well as part of that. So inside there is like grown with Canvas um, that was that was got from the community online um, from the Canvas community. And it was brilliant. And what it's done, what these things are doing is allowing us to sort of add markers against when people have completed the training. Because nat- naturally, in an organisation as big as it is, it's really difficult to see how many people have done the mandatory training across the organisation. So adding the badger element to uh, our Canvas instance in that course has really been supreme because we get ourselves a, um, a progr- uh, like a progress leaderboard and we get ourselves a leaderboard so you know who's got who's got the highest amount of badges and whatnot and again it allows for competitiveness because I can then go and say to the areas or the faculties well you've got some people who still haven't done the mandatory training in this and that and whatnot and we can sort of kind of boost because um, our directors of curriculum they're, they're fantastic individuals and they're really they actually aspire to to compete against each other which is fine because I think that competitive level that challenge really just make people work harder um, so I think the digital badging thing obviously as much as it be a concept which I know Marcus doesn't really like um, it's not that bad uh, I see I see it as a, a method that works and we've just done the same with our students so um, so as the students are enrolled onto another course very similar um, and it has a set for the induction so it's like an orientation course so all students will get bulk enrolled onto one course and inside there is like 13 components that would look into um, certain elements like um, for instance British values and prevent and um, e-safety and all these kind of elements which really support safeguarding and how to where all the fire exits are and all this kind of stuff and how to use the library because obviously I manage both areas and out of that they get their induction to college expectations badge which they can then put on their email signature so I know a lot of us do it I mean I, I don't necessarily all the time but on my on my personal email I'll have all my little badges pinned at the bottom as to what I've got so um, I think it's I think it just adds
adds a new layer to what it is. And especially with the fact that our students can then share that on LinkedIn from an employability aspect is absolutely brilliant because it shows that they can do some of the core things which anyone else would do and when they go to like the National Health Service or they go to any of these other organizations because they do have training like that in all the other areas. So I think the badger and the badging element is really, is just quite an interesting concept. I absolutely love badging and I've never done it before. And when we got into Canvas, I said, okay, this is my opportunity to try this out because it seems simple enough to add badger and create these cool badges and tie them to modules and expectations in the course. So I'm really excited about it. Uh, but I had kind of a, not a negative experience, but just kind of what I would consider like a, res, a reverse side effect of what I didn't anticipate happening at all. I thought we would create competition and teachers would see that like, oh, I'm, I'm falling a little bit behind. So now I'm going to motivate myself to do better. Uh, but what ended up happening is I had a few teachers that said, this stresses me out. <laughs> and, and I and kind of asked the question, you know, well, why? This doesn't quite make sense to me. Why would this stress you out? And they're like, because I'm so competitive that now I'm five badges behind and I have no motivation to catch up whatsoever. Because at this point, I'm just over it. So what would you what would you say to some of those teachers that are just like, I, I can't do it? So, I mean, yeah, and you're not wrong there. So the idea is the Growing With Canvas course has got five badges or I think five or six badges behind it. And some tutors are like, uh, some, so some areas and some faculties, they've got tutors that have gone through quite a lot of them and already got like, they're already up to the harvesting badge, which is like the almost finishing badge on the evaluation. And you'll have some that have only got the first badge because they've literally just gone and taken a screenshot of using the calendar, which is on the basic concept when we was first coming to it. And everyone else goes, oh, there. well, you have to understand the fact that you all come in at different points in time. So I've got people that have came to the organization new under new contracts and have been employed in different areas that I've got no badges at all. And yeah, it can seem overwhelming, but at the same time, it's kind of like it's just part of the job. Uh, and also at the same time, you, it shows you how to utilize the product and it allows them to have a clean introduction to what is online learning because I don't get involved in any of that. I might jump into the discussion and you know spit some ideas out that you could use studio for that or you could go and create a discussion for this. And it's all around the, the idea of using the virtual learning environment. So it's quite an interesting way that this sort of concept of badging has come up. But yeah, there is some stale ones. I'm not going to make out like, yeah, there is. Full clarity here. Now that I've heard all of the arguments and the stories from both of you young men, I, I kind of feel like I just laid laid down on the couch and the the doctor has explained to me the inaccuracy of my my ways. Here, I think I'm pinpointing what my issue is, because everything that Khalid said, everything that Eddie said, I get I, and I agree with. I love the com competition aspect. I love that when I'm the teacher and I'm sort of uh, initiating competition with students and I personally, as an adult learner, thrive on a little bit of competition where I've sort of dropped the ball in terms of when I've tried to do it, when I've thought about considering it, for me, it's been, I think now that I'm, you know, being a bit introspective, um, it's like I get bummed out when other people aren't that way. Kind of, kind of to what Eddie said, you know, um, like I want you to be competitive. I want you to be checking the leaderboard every day. I want you to take time to, 
to do this enrichment course that's been built for you um, because somebody built it with that passion and and that desire and and you should want to learn it. Um, so maybe maybe I need to give badging another chance uh, based yeah, on I mean, based on what you guys said. I couldn't agree more. Give it another chance. And at the same time, just consider that teaching. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but for me, when I was teaching, uh, no one thanks you basically for the job. I want to say no one thanks you for what you do. It's the same when you build online courses. No one really thanks you, but eventually they understand the idea and the concept. And you'll have someone that will completely run with it and go, yeah, I want to try and make sure I get these four badges by the end of the week. But it allows you with your learners to create smart targets. And you can say, listen, you haven't done this badge. You need to get this badge done online before we come back and before we have that next one-to-one in a month's time or two weeks' time, etc. Do you know what I mean? So it allows you to put markers in place. And those things have obviously got stuff behind it in the form of content that they would sort of uh, take in. You know, you, you spoke of sort of the, the badging and gamification, but um, smart markers, as you as you called it there, like that that immediately clicked. People are designing content for folks to learn. And these are sort of checkpoints. These are gateways or portals through some content and into the next level of that content. So I, I think that's a really great way for listeners to consider badging is um, not just you've checked this thing off of the list, but this is sort of a transition. You get this badge, you, you've transitioned from this into this next thing. Uh, so I really like that. Couldn't agree more. I mean, the next thing for me is to look at employers that are around this surrounding area of Hull and get them to create their own badges based upon their what they desire from um, students in the workplace. Because if we can get badges like that that we can accredit and sponsor and have inside our courses, it makes our courses at the college look and feel more like something which they would aspire to do because they want to end up in that field or in that industry or in that job or in that specialism. So I think it's really cool to have these things in place. This feels like a, a great time for a break. Obviously, we have we've changed minds here on the Canvas Casters podcast. Uh, when we return, we'll dive into questions on everyone's mind right now, including this is where they might gang up on me to tick or to talk on the Canvas Casters podcast with Khalid Al-Ankar. InstructureCon 2020 is going to be popping. First of all, one word, Nashville. Let's just come out and say that if you can't have a blast in Nashville, then there's probably something wrong with you. Not only will you get to continue down the road towards becoming Canvas Jedi by attending amazing sessions by some of the foremost Canvas Jedi in the galaxy, but there's more. The Canvas Casters will be there providing live content throughout the conference. And don't forget to register for the Unconference on Friday, July 31st. This year's Unconference will be hosted by the Canvas Queen herself, Kona Jones. And a new addition to this year's event will be our very own, speaking to you right now, Marcus Painter, co-hosting because every Princess Leia needs her Chewbacca. Colleague, you mentioned in some of our pre-interview notes, and you actually mentioned it earlier in the episode here, uh, you talked about facilitating a staff development 101 and a student hub. So tell us a little bit more about that. Give us some more details. Yeah, I mean, so one of the cool things about Canvas and it's and the way it works is the fact that we allow to we 
I've got some of my developers, my learning technologists that are fantastic in what they do. Every day they will happily offer support to anybody who needs it from our support staff to our academic staff. Um, and that's with regards to the platform in general because we have a lot of different things on Canvas. Um, so our, our policy and procedures are up there. So that means that people that, that fill in those for our students will need to know how to use Canvas to be able to edit and add files and stuff like that. Um, and for us, like having um, a one central source where everyone can go to something, um, be it like staff for the staff training and any additional um, areas. So within the staff training area for them, they've got the EdTech Toolkit for Educators. So that's a little place that I've got, which um, has an array of um, podcasts that people can go and listen to. One, no uh, plug intended here, was Canvas Casters. And at the same time, there's also other stuff there for like content development, because my team will work with, in Articulate Storyline um, to develop dynamic content that works directly inside the virtual learning environment for tutors because some of the e-learning packages we create can be created in-house um, so inside there there's that and then there's just a how-to guides area so that is a lot of video tutorials that are being created using the studio functionality inside of canvas which is extremely powerful um, people can see straight away how it is that they would do stuff on the platform and off, off the back of that I even utilize the studio capabilities or the media capabilities inside of canvas to um, support people with training so not necessarily, I don't need to be there in a one-to-one, -one, um, uh, you know, around a big projector or a big board or a big, big, you know, display telling people how to do stuff step-by-step -step on the board. What I'd normally do there is I'll sit with them on their own laptop and get studio out and then just um, get them to do a screen recording of what they're learning. So I can sit next to them and go through the steps, explain it. They can, they hear my audio. Um, they see, obviously, they'll be able to see what it is that we're recording in a screencast kind of method and then it saves directly into their studio and they have that as a resource so they take their own learning opportunity away with them for recap so they can keep going back and checking out what's going on with that so I think it's it's just really powerful being able to do these things in these courses like the staff development page uh, for staff and then the student hub for the students so they can go in and make videos and do everything like that inside this virtual learning environment I think it's just really cool we have these themes right uh, and as a listener of the podcast you probably know that and um the one of the themes is just uh, that eddie and i love is just that when we're talking to people that do similar work and when i hear you talking about uh creating these two uh resources for both faculty and for students i'm thinking oh man that's just like what i made for my for my teachers you know i've got that too and 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 eddie i know you're going to want to chime in because this is fresh in your mind eddie's been doing something similar uh there for c9 and again i get i get the tingles because it's like okay i might be actually on the right path here <laughs> Doing what yeah. you think you're supposed to be doing? Is that right? What? I think I might actually be doing what I'm supposed to be doing. We might I'm know doing something. my job. Right. <laughs> it's working. Yay. Uh, we just got done finishing kind of a, I was getting in this mode where I was creating kind of these micro classes, you know, Google level one training, Google level two training, um, the growing with canvas course, which is phenomenal, which we've talked a little bit about here, uh, for training staff. But I, I felt like I was junking up the dashboard a little bit of my teachers and instructors. So we just got done kind of consolidating everything and we're career and tech ed here at central nine career center. So we're calling it the uh, staff tool belt, which kind of fits right into our 
skills and training for uh, professional careers. And I just, I felt like uh, it really kind of has changed the way that we're going to deliver, right? We'll do our face-to-face professional development modules in there. We'll be able to provide those videos. Um, All of the training that we've been talking about throughout the year will go in there at the end of this year. And then next year, kind of an onboarding professional development, just staff resource page. And it's been a lot of fun because I don't, as a non-teacher, we don't get a whole lot of opportunities to create those types of things in Canvas. Like I, I know I've followed Marcus enough times and text him and like, I'm so excited, like what I get to do today, which is just create these really cool learning environments for my teachers. And then hopefully that modeling rubs off on them in some way, right? Um, so I just love that. And Studio is a great place to start because it is so engaging. And it's one of those things that just is off the charts when it comes to teacher kind of buy-in. They're like, oh, this is amazing. Let me create quizzes. Let me build this video content. This stuff really kind of launches me into the next level of learning this platform. Yeah, for instruction, I think it's absolutely phenomenal. It's because it's just so easy to to, to do. You click the button in the top corner, record screen, and, and uh, pretty much says yes on your laptop, and away you go. Um, you can just do what you need to do, and you can go back and edit it. Um, so teachers aren't really doing as much of the editing as I would do. So obviously, I like the way you can go inside there and add little markers, zoom in, zoom out, and this kind of stuff for when you teach people instruction design on how to use something but they're getting there they're, they're seeing that uh, how did you do that zoom thing and, um, and and stuff like that questions come out and it's just a case of sitting down with them and just showing them what more there is to it because it's always behind another button I mean canvas can be sometimes for some staff overwhelming when they look at all the things that are on the course navigation and and, and whatnot so for us like I thought it'd be interesting to give them um, a one-page fits all sort of thing so we give them five pages a standard all courses in canvas and i use the blueprint functionality for that which is it's just it's remarkable um and it's just making their life a bit easier in the fact that we put all the resources and links to the library and links to all the library systems that we might have to go research books and stuff like that all directly in their course so they don't actually have to do anything else apart from just teach um, and that's what we like them to do marcus knows this already uh, but librarians and media specialists don't get enough credit. <laughs> no, I, I, I right. mean, they are, you guys are really kind of creating, you're always the first people. I knew when I, when I worked at, at, a, at an old district and, and did technology integration, the people that I always went to as kind of like, okay, who am I going to go to to get this building fired up? It was always like the media specialist or the librarian. Yeah. Always. It's not very far from the same thing, arguably here. Over the, I don't matter how far across the pond we are. Um, it is pretty much the the the, uh, the librarians as well. The librarians are really techy. I think it's because they support students all the time, and they're continuing to support students in in the sort of because obviously the library is a mixture of books and eBooks, and now we've got we've got 120 PCs in there as well. So uh, they'll go there to do a lot of their online learning, and tu- and the librarians will and the librarians and library assistants will do exactly that and just support them through it. And if they need a new password resetting, they'll go to a librarian. They won't go to IT they don't need to because the librarian already has that skill set so it's very valuable um, just a community driven the library's really really homey for me I'm going to switch gears just slightly because I think we're talking about engagement and video production and um, I, what I would call edutainment but Marcus and Galad and I are, are fresh off of the Canvas chat last night my hands are in absolute pain I don't know about Marcus at the amount of typing refreshing scrolling all of the things that we had to do uh, but one thing that stuck out that was kind of contentious. Um, It was concerning the use of TikTok. And again, 
what I would consider edutainment apps. Um, and so I've got to ask, like, where do you sit on the topic? Are are you in a good place educationally that you believe TikTok is making an, an impactful uh, learning opportunity for students? And is this a place where educators should go to create? It's a tricky one. Um, I've seen TikTok most recently work fantastically within um, a session and a, a tutor um, with their learners. One of the things that comes out of TikTok for me, though, as maybe a bit older in the game, is that when I look at it and I see it as it's only 16, 16 seconds, 30 seconds, that's not enough for me to consume information. But you'll be surprised at what our learners are actually understanding in 16 to 30 seconds and what they can create in that space of time as well. So like as an example I got a message through on Twitter and it was a link to go look at this TikTok account from a tutor um, and she's like have a look at this video they've just created a video on the blood um, on blood and how the blood circulates the body and stuff and it's like 16 seconds it's two students with a background um, that's got like blood cells in it and they just literally point to like five key facts um, of, and little sentences but they obviously went and researched that found out how uh, the blood works and the blood circulates inside the inside the veins and whatnot and the arteries and they put that together in a 16 30 second sting video but my tutor was actually really impressed that they'd done that she's like they've actually they remembered what i taught them in class there is some sort of as much as it be a knowledge check in what they're doing through that it's lesson learned there is something learned there by the learners which is quite an interesting one so she said how do i even do this she went to download it she downloaded the little video and then she posted it as an announcement to the entire group inside a canvas course and goes look what they're doing and that's now sparked off a lot more of the same thing within her class and she's like i have to put a cap on it and say listen it's not just tiktok videos all the time right, but right, yeah. it's interesting to see what they can come up with as you were talking about it you know with the the time constraint there are two ways to look at that right there you can look at that and say that's not enough time or you can say sort of the old uh you know the the complaint about twitter 140 characters like that's not enough um I kind of love that it's really short because you're really forcing um, if, if, for example, if the learners are creating in TikTok, in the case, in the example that you gave is perfect. They condensed content down to the just the most necessary stuff and it's really sort of cooked down to its most vital uh, and I think that that is a great example of how that uh, how TikTok as a platform can be effective even with some content. Um, so that's a really wonderful example. And, and I hope that when people listen to the episode, they're like, oh, wait, like that's kind of a game changer because I, I think that there's definitely some legs to that. Now, I also have a TikTok related story, um, a little bit different. Um, <clears throat> there are a couple of teachers that I've uh, that have attended some sessions that I did uh, over the last couple of years. And basically the sessions are about, you know, how can we use technology and apps to sort of meet students where they are. We all know that students are, are very techy, but it's not always the tech that we want them to use um, more of the social media stuff. Um, but Hannah Coogan and Jenna Schildemeyer are both uh, middle school teachers and they here in Indiana and they started doing TikTok Tuesdays. And so every Tuesday, Hannah and Jenna will do some sort of silly TikTok video to middle school teachers. And, uh, you know, if there's any population of learner that loves to see their teachers act silly, 
it's it's middle school. Um, so they have had an amazing experience with TikTok. Uh, they do those every Tuesday. They have a ton of kids in the building that follow them and look forward to those. And what Hannah told me, which this is the thing that spoke to me, she said, I've had an I've had the opportunity now because of this to interact and engage with students that I don't actually have in my class. She's got, you know, for lack of a better term, she's got random kids coming up in the hallway and saying, hey, we saw your TikTok. That was awesome. And so she is able to, you know, kind of what we say, meet them where they are um, with technology. And though they're not delivering content, they're just they're doing the latest TikTok dance, you know, stuff like that. Um, But I just I think that there's some legs to it. Eddie uses edutainment, um, which I think is just blasphemy. Um, but <laughs> but I, I think that there's something to it. And I think that if you leverage that tool in 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 strategic ways, which, again, I love the the, the blood circulation example. Um, if you're strategic about it, I think that it can be something that's effective. Yeah, I mean, I don't go too far from it. I mean, despite you saying TikTok, I mean, short videos, it's very similar to Flipgrid, isn't it? And I've, I've done the exact same thing with Flipgrid. I did a CPD session with a bunch of students that were postgraduate, so they were going to become teachers. And one of the things that I did as a test there was I gave them the salmon methodology, a short video, and asked them to give me a couple of questions on how they would address the salmon methodology within their own teaching practice and what they would do with it in a video format just to explain and express how to use that platform and it's just introductions it's small introductions to these platforms that they think oh I could actually do this myself this isn't one too hard to do and oh it took me a minute to get the information and it's the information that comes out of it so in the idea of TikTok videos or the um, Flipgrid sort of splashboard with all the people that have contributed towards it it's really beneficial because there's a lot of information in one one space by a bunch of individuals on the same topic so it's really good it's a resource you're building a resource it's getting content out there and being efficient about it which i I love um and i'm glad you brought up uh, flipgrid as an example uh i just taught flipgrid with uh what actually with all three of my elementary schools and i always urge my elementary teachers when they're using flipgrid go ahead and because you can of course you can choose the amount of time that a student has to respond and and i always tell them you know if anything err on less time you know make them be efficient with every word they choose and and um i i think that kind of just goes right along with it. i love what you said that you know we're saying TikTok, but really it's about delivering content efficiently and using video and audio to do it and it's just it's really really powerful stuff so uh, eddie what do you got to say about that? I mean, I don't know if you're changing my mind on using TikTok in the classroom, but I, I understand like, cause we, you know, I love Flipgrid and I love studio and I love video and I love content, but I'm not necessarily sure if I'm, I don't know, like it's like using Snapchat in the classroom. Like, is it really a great idea? I, I get it. I understand it. And I know why you're, you're trying to meet kids where they are. That's what you're going to say to me next, Marcus. Cause that's what you always say to me. Um, but you know where the kids are in the classroom. So why don't you meet them there <laughs> valid valid point it, it, it is a valid point valid it is valid point. mic drop let's go okay all right <laughs> well before before there are fisticuffs on the podcast um we always ask what's in your canvas backpack what are those three things
things that are just go to resources, options, tools uh, that you just love? So in the form of a tool for me, it's definitely Canvas. Uh, sorry, Studio. Studio for me is probably the one. Um, it's a tool that I would like to use every day if I could do. And it's just because media content is, is the, the easiest way to, to deliver something and to be consumed in my eyes with regards to being visual learners. Because I, I can say it outright, I'm a visual learner. If I see a video, then I'm hooked. And I'm from a computer science background. Half of the time I spent on YouTube uh, researching how to do stuff in PHP and all this kind of stuff. Now, so that's for me it's definitely studio for video content um, the next one for me would probably be Canvas Guides and that's just because of all the support that we've had to deliver in a new platform coming to place uh, here at Hull so Canvas Guides has been my quick to when someone sends me an email how do I add students to my course quickly I can say right okay if you had to add a student here's how to add a student grab the link send it in an email they've got a guide there and then because a lot of tutors like guides that they can print out um, they like to have it next to them side, on the side and they can follow it step by step if they have to and that's what canvas guides is exactly like so um, for me canvas guides is my second one um, third one I'm liking the way that we can use um, sort of quizzes and the quizzes.next functionality inside of, of canvas um, a lot of people have gone well I'm not quite sure how this is going to work with the old quizzes but the fact that you can sort of migrate the quiz across from the old quiz to the new quiz I think is quite a good feature yes there is still a few bugs in it in my opinion um, when you take in multiple because we've got a lot of tutors here that have got question banks that are in the excess of 700 questions now they've, they've been collect, collecting them over the years on the modules they teach but quizzes.next I believe is extremely powerful again another one that you can do quite easily especially with hotspots they like hotspots especially in engineering hotspots yeah. is the feature right now in career and tech ed and the more I show it to my teachers especially for those quick bell ringer quiz assessments they are just eating it up. I, I, I've told the story to a few people, but I don't think I've ever told it on the podcast. My construction trades teacher took a picture of this gigantic table with a bunch of tools on it and created a tool assessment based off of hotspots. It's insane. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a hot feature. I'm glad you brought that up. It's creativity though, isn't it? Right. It's the best way to do it. That, that, and you'd be surprised at how creative our teachers can be in creating learning resources. I think it's because they envision it and they know they already know the trade like to to a T. So for in engineering, I've got a lot of ours came from from the, the trade for from out in industry, and that's what happens when they come in. They understand how an engineer or how they feel as if an engineer would learn. Um, so hotspots and stuff like that really supports them for that the learners that are very visual. Who are you following on social media? Who are kind of your go tos? Mm. And you can say Canvas Casters, and we love that. But yeah. <laughs> who else out there are really that you're seeing kind of inspire you? or kind of get you really excited to try something new in the world of social media sphere? So, I mean, you, you'll see it from, from me quite a bit. Um, I'm going to have to put a shout out most definitely to at Kerry Ray. She's a teacher that teaches on the advanced technology uh, and nails qualification here at Hull uh, because she's been introduced to Canvas and she's now in, doing the same with social media as well. She's got an Instagram page. She's really working hard and I like the way she's doing it so she deserves that payback. As for people that I'm following and who I communicate with, um, for me, it's probably Mark Anderson. He's um, a gen out um, on Twitter. He's known as at ICT Evangelist. Um, he does a lot of great work on there with regards to how to use applications and how to incorporate them within your teaching practice for like face-to-face -face delivery. Um, you can do online as well. Stephen Taylor, most definitely. We've been talking for a while since we met at the last FE um, 
community meeting here in, um, it was actually at Paul Towers' place who was on this show. And also for me, uh, the third one would probably be people that I'm actually looking around for. Canvas casters. There you go. <laughs> That's cheating is what I would say. Well, that is another episode of the Canvas Casters podcast. We want to thank our guest, Khaled Alankar. And don't forget, as always, we don't work for Canvas. Canvas works for us.